Thank you for being a loyal listener of the thinking behind it all. We appreciate your support as we bring to you global news that trend on a weekly basis. As you already know, we look at these news from a pro-black perspective using sociopolitical theory. If you have enjoyed the content and high production of the podcast, please consider making a small donation. The proceeds will go toward bringing you more podcasts. To make a donation, you can do so on PayPal. The link is paypal.me slash ttbia paypal.me slash ttbia The thinking behind it all with Melusin The thinking behind it all Welcome to the 27th edition of TTBIA, the thinking behind it all, your pro-black slash pan-Africanist podcast. As we often say, we do not claim to speak on behalf of all black people. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. And it's been great bringing you guys the show. Remember that we are on Facebook. The Thinking Behind It All, that's our page. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore. We are also on WhatsApp, the TTBIA community. Details there too are on our social media platforms. As we often say on our show as well, if you do know of communities that have problems with missing children, please let them know that they are most welcome to approach us to get the word out there should it be that there's a family who has a missing child. We are happy to make use of our platforms to get the word out there. With me this week, I've got Ricardo, what's up? How you doing? Hey, what's up? Busi, how are you? Hey, I'm good, and you? And uh, making a return is Isaac. Yo, Isaac, what's up? Yeah, 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 I'm back, man. I'm good. Um, Yeah, I just miss being on the podcast, and so I'm back. The usual suspect's perspective. For this week on the USP section, uh, Busi, what stood out for you? Well, a US man landed on North Sentinel Island 
this island is actually um, on India's Andaman and Nicobar Islands. Uh, and he apparently wanted to explore and potentially bring Christianity to the tribe. So they essentially shot and killed him with bows and arrows before he arrived on the island. Wait, wait, wait. wait. A man is dead. Y'all are laughing. Oh, sorry. It was just the archery thing. Y'all like, no, wait, wait. So this man wanted to parachute onto this remote island to bring the gospel to them, to the natives? Yes, but the thing is, the, the reason why it's forbidden to the go there... The white man with the cape. Wow, guys. It's forbidden to go there because um, they haven't been exposed to outsiders, so they're at high risk of like disease and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So something as simple as the flu could actually kill those people so even the government the indian government has said no one is allowed i think it's within a particular radius of the Mm -hmm. island and he broke that rule right he broke the law um the fishermen who helped him get close enough to the island have actually been arrested (laughs) sure Yo. This was a white man, correct? <laughs> like missionary, I thought. Yeah, what he kind of looks white. He's from mm. Alabama. Mm. <laughs> oh, no wonder Alabama <laughs> killed a black man this week. Alright, okay, we see. Tip we see what happened. <laughs> we see oh. what happened. <laughs> oh, this was, this now, was payback. Now, so, so listen to this, though, guys. This man can literally kill off this entire tribe with his western illness, right? Which is what white And he goes, doing. no, I'll risk it so they can learn the word of God. At least they'll die <sighs> and go to heaven. That's yeah, true. Yeah. At least they'll die saved. Body. They took his body. Like they, they actually shot and killed him and then they took his body onto the island. So the, there's chances that his family might get the body back are actually very low. Like he might not, they might not even get his body back. They might eat him. Are they cannibals? <laughs> oh, but I'm being know. dead serious. Guys, yeah, and this is what Indian. kills me most is that he told his family not to be angry if he gets killed. Oh, okay. I wish oh. that's what the white men did in the 1600s when they went to America. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so wait, I'm guessing this tribe that he was going to visit, it's one of those um those tribes that don't allow insiders, and they like they 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 very aggressive towards, yeah. Obviously, obviously they shoot first, ask questions later. I mean, <laughs> what are they, the police? <laughs> They're just flipping white people's rules on them. That's all. Mm. That's what they're Bones doing. and arrows, man. <laughs> Ricky, mm-hmm. what's that for you? Actually, speaking of Alabama, um, on Wednesday, a man was killed by police in a shopping mall. Um, there was gunfire at the mall, and this man was trying to help. He also had a gun. He's black. He's an active service member. And the police saw him with a gun, thought he was the bad guy, shot him and killed him while the actual bad guy was running away. And he's still at large today. So. This was and the retaliation that there were other people with guns out. Oh yeah, there was the many out. people with guns out. Yeah. And that story is trending, eh? It's really it's starting it's to pick up now after the holidays. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. he's 21. Twenty-one year old. Oh, they've killed sixteen-year-old. <laughs> Hell, they've killed twelve-year-olds. Tremere mm -hmm. Rice. They've arrested ten-year-olds for being they said he looked. They, they said he looked um sixteen when he was twelve. So. So what are So the police have actually I mean, I don't know if you want to say they deserve credit for this, but within 24 hours they came out and admitted they killed the wrong person or they a apprehended or whatever the wrong person and that the actual perpetrator of the crime was still at large because they said that we the man the they shot because the police sorry. said we just sorry it's trending that we got oh by the way the police weren't the one who discovered this uh bit of yeah. information i don't remember what local news service they were walking them on they're like look there's a handgun here and that was the handgun that was used in a shooting not the one the guy was holding when he got shot the innocent guy so the police didn't even mm. find the weapon that was used in the crime i stood off you for me well it was Stian Hazen and questions about him being qualified for his position in parliament as the DA's chief whip. So there's this big debate that he doesn't have like a degree in politics so he, he doesn't actually understand what legislation requires him to do even though there's this thing that he, he describes himself as an excellent legislator. He's got no so like, post school qualification whatsoever it's just another no. dumb white boy what he's got he's got like a yeah so so there's, there's this thing that he's like high on the fumes of privilege you know like he's just a well white i mean donald man. trump doesn't have any political degrees either so look how far he's gotten hey, that's america <laughs> that's america <laughs> this white boy right here though the problem is that with tna is in He's been calling out black folk who don't have qualifications and being on oh. some they are uneducated and bloody bloody blah. And now yeah. people are calling him out and he's blocking people on Twitter. Like black Twitter was giving it to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still reading some of the comments right he, now. He's trying to sto throw stones in his glass house. Yep. Like blocking people is not going to save him. Yeah, he's blocking people. It's strange coming from him. That's the last person I would have expected without a university degree. Especially how he used to go on about Zuma giggling like a schoolgirl, you know, and mm. the things that he would say regarding Julius Malim and other people in Parliament, not just Zuma. He's just got that. He's that arrogant white person that I, I think he's, he's getting what he deserves right privilege. now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 exactly as Lucy says. It. It's because he's so high on white privilege. He thinks he can get away with anything. And earlier this year, it was uh, what Cyril told him to shut up. Shut up. Shut up. KTBIA rewind. This is what stood out for me this week. You look at Brazil, you look at a number of countries in Southeast Asia, and shut up, you stay nasal and listen. You look around the world. I want you to shut up. I really do want you to shut up. Because order. Honorable order, honorable members. Continues to make a noise and he's not listening. Order, honorable members. Honorable president. 
Honorable President, will you just take your seat, please? Why are you rising, Honorable Stianason? Uh, House Chairperson, the Honorable President told me to shut up. And shut up. Yes. Oh. Clearly Cyril knew something that we didn't know. Yo, <laughs> Yo I read this yeah. article, but I didn't know it was that guy. Listen. Yeah. The next line no, no, no. that Cyril just needed to say is shut up because you don't have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> But it yeah, there was a dot 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 actually when you think about that it. Was, he's like, yeah, why don't you shut up? Uh, and, and then, then repeat himself. Dot 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 and then he was like, shut up. Just shut yeah, up. Just, <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> I thought he was gonna say you stupid bastard or something like that, but now we know. You and your non-degree have an ass. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, you're the white boy I will not succumb to. Right? <laughs> Ain't got no damn degree. Don't talk to me, boy. <laughs> My handlers know how to deal with you. My handlers. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I just can't help myself. But, oh my word. The political drama that is playing out currently in South Africa is just too intriguing. It's too exciting for me seeing uh, Shadow President Gordon versus the Economic Freedom Fighters EFF, mainly Julius Malema and Floyd and Buise Nindlozi. You just call him the Shadow President? Yeah. I just laugh every time because it sounds so sinister. The shadow president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now check this out, right? So Pravin Kodan went to open a case of criminal injuria, defamation against the EFF. It was done with much fanfare and cameras and so on. You could tell. So, you know, I called his media buddies and everybody just mm-hmm. came through. Gave him the heads up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, in retaliation, <laughs> the flip-floppers said that they're going to open their case as well for um, racketeering, money laundering, and corruption, fraud, and what else. So, literally wasting resources. <laughs> like, I literally, like, I have got nothing to say about this besides like, the fact that they're wasting resources. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, what concerns me about the Pravin matter is that prior to him opening that case, the president in public told the country that the country has to back Pravin Godan in this case. And that was like, wow. Is that how That's we're going to do now? That's a pretty statement. Yeah. And, and then afterwards, he goes to the police station. So you can't help feel like, oh, 
So the police are obliged to investigate and take this matter very seriously and the NPA, the National Prosecuting Authority. So what does this mean? Is because the president has said so, therefore now, if you're not going to take this matter with that much seriousness, then it's going to be a problem. What does this mean? I was just not too comfortable. I, for me, it's borderline abuse of power. Just going to say how I feel. Now be clear, safe, things yeah. are said like that behind <laughs> the scenes all the time. But to say yeah, but this publicly, time, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it was good enough. Like, we know that, you know, you guys are friends, but you didn't have to go and do it publicly. I think that was a bit too much. There's this very interesting article about um, how South Africa can potentially become like Brazil in a sense that how people reconcile democracy and the notion that all politicians are corrupt and how this belief or this idea that all everyone is corrupt anyway how it actually derails democracy in particular ways so it was just like those it was a warning article about the this like widespread idea of everybody is bad and how that like influences our mindsets i thought it was a pretty interesting article mm-hmm. actually that is something to really think about because you can see it happening now especially with how partial the media is becoming you know in some mm-hmm. media so, some journalists are so pro or anti they can't help themselves like yes we want you to have an opinion at times and share that opinion but not to the extent where you display your hatred for someone or your love for someone that much that yeah. becomes a problem and that there's is a problem. too many situations where media is passing opinion off as fact in my mm. opinion mm. Um, I think that's a big problem. Journalism. Yeah. You know the one, the article where it says, um, Jess Malema's claims are bogus because we've investigated. Praveen Gordon, I laughed. (laughs) 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 Such a strong statement. I don't know, our journalists, uh, police now, they've got the evidence Mm -hmm. kids. I don't know. Exactly. That's not healthy, guys. It's not healthy. The media's supposed to be there to make us think and deliberate and kind of, you know, yeah, not force our thinking. Yeah, there's supposed yeah. to be checks yeah. and balances between yeah. the yeah. average person and and our politician. You know, mm, mm, mm. and it's and very important like, for the media to be non-partisan. For me, anyway. Yeah, I s- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also feel like there's this there's this perception. I don't know with the South African media, they they, they sort of branding Pravin Kordan as like this incorruptible politician. Who you brought know? us um, this this whole state capture inquiry, and thus he is immune to being investigated <laughs> for his part in state capture. Hey, I mean, bad people can do good things. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. What makes him so immune from being investigated? What makes him such a holy politician? If you have any other comment on what we discussed in the USP section, please drop it on our Facebook page. The thinking behind it all. Or you can go to Twitter at TTBIA underscore. Follow us there. Let us know what you think of the views that we have expressed. And we also have updates on WhatsApp. It's the TTBIA community. Community. On November 20th, the CDC, Center for Disease Control in the United States, put out a warning asking people to throw away all romaine lettuce. This is the result of 32 people in the United States and 11 in Canada getting sick with E. coli. This isn't even the first major E. coli outbreak 
linked to lettuce. Earlier this year, over 235 people in the United States and more in Canada were sickened after contaminated lettuce found its way into the food supply. In 2011, under the Obama administration, Congress passed rules requiring farms to test water used to irrigate crops for pathogens. But in 2017, towards the end of the year, the Trump administration put these rules on hold after farming interests brought pressure to bear because of the cost of the tests. The FDA conducted a study and the study found that farmers would save $12 million annually by not conducting these tests on the water that's used to irrigate crops. But it would cost people $108 million a year in medical expenses due to foodborne illness. The new Trump administration rules large farms wouldn't have to start testing their water until 2022 and specifically testing for E. coli until 2024. Small farms? They would have to start testing in 2024 and wouldn't have to start testing for E. coli until 2026. Where's the urgency, people? How many hundreds, if not thousands of people can and will get sick in that time? Possibly die. In my opinion, the math doesn't quite add up. $12 million annually by farms having to pay to test their water compared to $108 million in medical expenses and loss of life and grievous injury done to people by these foodborne illnesses. In my opinion, it's politically motivated. And I think politics shouldn't get in the way of public safety in this way, or economics for that matter. Because when it all boils down to it, working healthy people are just as important to the economy as money saved by farmers in the long run. So Ricardo, just want to know from you how the story has been covered from the time it broke to how it's unfolding currently. So the timing is interesting because this current outbreak, the people basically were sick uh, throughout the month of October. Um, the CDC put out this warning on November 20th, the same week as Thanksgiving here in the United States, where everybody basically eat to access till they get sick, right? You could tell it was kind of rushed because they basically um, said that 100,000 pounds of lettuce was in play here, right? They didn't want this getting it on people's Thanksgiving tables, essentially. So I think it was a bit rushed in that way. Um, and people took it really seriously because um, there's been so much foodborne illness in the United States over the last 10 years. Um, literally, like every three months, there seemed to be another food outbreak, either be strawberries or, or spinach or well in this case romaine lettuce so the public has definitely take this seriously and the media the thing is the media is just reporting the outbreak itself they're not really delving into the cause of all these outbreaks i mean this isn't just an isolated incident i feel like all if not most of the mainstream media are just reporting the story as is and not really doing their due diligence and informing the public on why this keeps on happening. Lucy, do you think the media is doing the general public a disservice by not digging a little bit deeper or 
exposing a little bit more on why there is an outbreak. So talking about the political and economic possibilities or factors that have led to this. Absolutely. I think it's a disservice because they've covered a lot about not eating it, which is very important, right? Because they needed to get the message across very quickly, as Ricardo has already explained. Um, but I think that that's missing. Why did this come about, right? America's a first world country. We expect a little bit more, right? We expect the food to be healthy. We expect the food to go through appropriate measures and processes to ensure that it's healthy for public usage so what is failing is actually what's missing from this dialogue is it that there aren't enough officials checking if the food is fine are there not enough tests you know what i mean but obviously now we know because we know it's about the water but at the same time i think the general person on the street doesn't understand why did this come about they just think oh it's a random occurrence of another foodborne illness again do you know ricardo do you have any speculations as to how come the media is not directing the conversation in that way? I do. So remember, this rollback of the Obama-era rules on um, water testing, this happened over a year ago, right? And there was coverage of that at the time, but it was literally for one day or two days because the way that well donald trump is so donald trumpish he's always doing something else to distract you from policy and this is this is the dangerous part so we took we, we look at so for example last week it was the journalist um getting his media credentials taken away and the whole court thing right that takes away from people actually talking about policy that affects everyday people like food quality air quality this health in general you know all these things get rolled back and they don't get the media coverage they deserve because they're not provocative but they're just as important do you think perhaps it also has something to do with the fact that there was another e cola breakout for years after the Obama administration had introduced these regulations in 2015. And so it will just lead to a whole messy political landscape if it is really discussed. No, I, I don't think so. Like, not not from the media's perspective, because um, like we discussed earlier, how media is becoming just as polarized as politicians and political affiliation. You would think that more liberal mainstream media would be all over this. I can understand why conservative media wouldn't necessarily want to harp on this issue. But, you know, this is why we have different media outlets, but none of them are talking about it. The main ones, at least. Isaac, would you expect the liberal media to take this matter on board and politicize it as much as possible? Yeah, I also have the idea that more people might be shamed if this thing gets investigated it sort of feels like that that that's why they'd avoid it getting to the media and the media reporting on it i think too many people would would, would have to fall for this outbreak and also people maybe from the previous administration so you think of it as some kind of way of 
limiting the damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say that. And also, I think they don't generally in, in but liberal countries, they don't like talking about things like outbreaks because it, it might cause panic within the public and things like that. So they try to um, move outbreaks like really quietly. Still remember with, with listeriosis, uh, a disease we had, yeah, it was tried. To, yeah, they they were very slick about how they did it. Um, radio shows were going as to like, hey, how harmful is it? Still remember, just so that they can ease the the public opinion. Ricardo, what do you have to say about what Isaac just expressed? I think Isaac makes a great point, and, and I think it's it's even true. Uh, I just think there's it's a little different in this case because it's not necessarily the outbreak itself. You know what I mean? Like everybody's talking about that. They have no problem saying, "Yeah, 32 people are sick. 11 states. Throw away your lettuce. Everyone's gonna die if you don't." Like they love that stuff, right? But it's when you go, "Well, how come this keeps happening?" Oh, nobody wants to hear about the cause behind the stuff. Oh, yeah, and that's, <laughs> is that where the rioting would come in, Busi? Do you think where? If it's highly politicized, then it becomes more about factional politics, about it's a Trump mistake versus an Obama law or whatever the case may be. Yes, of course. But I also think the other big picture here is that American media would have to admit that capitalism here is winning, right? Because it's about saving that extra dollar at the risk of people getting sick, right? And they're not going to admit that, that, that these private companies are going astray and saving the extra dollar on people's health. Can you imagine the protest then if they had to say that? Like, you know, the government is letting these capitalistic firms, you know, risk your health. And this lobbyist way of governance that we have, it's so harmful in many ways. Because this is what it was really about. Uh, uh, agricultural lobbyists um, basically went to the Obama slash Donald Trump administration and said, we don't want to do these things. It's going to kill the little farmer economically, this, that, and the third. So I've read some agricultural publications, and the way they have shut this off is, yeah, this is good because... The rules were too complex and we didn't understand them. So now this gives us more time to understand the rules. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Just to go back on Anbusi's point regarding capitalism. Do you think this projects the times that we are in, in terms of how monopolized certain sections of the economy are, where you have big corporations controlling messaging so that they can ultimately control how the public responds to a crisis uh, yeah definitely man I, I agree with that in that when, when you look at these corporations usually like the agricultural sector is owned by maybe three companies mm-hmm. or just being buddies and friends and they can like fix prices they can control things like outbreaks and this of course being important for like societies that are very consumeristic at their nature it's to make a profit firstly out of these type of societies that you get 
and to also keep them as paying customers by controlling the narrative through the media it's it's all for capitalism as well so that people keep on you know consuming their vegetables regardless of their whether they are receiving a grade vegetables and fruits or not mm-hmm. Ricky are you eating your vegetables and how is social media discussing this particular incident social media isn't really discussing it that much you, here's what i have seen and this is from more i guess socially conservative parts of media i'm starting to see these outbreaks being blamed on immigrants actually because <laughs> a lot of immigrants work on these farms right and they're saying that they're unclean and they're mm-hmm. passing on these things and 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 i'm like i'm i'm slowly seeing this i'm like whoa that's how we're gonna hey, flip the script and it's not even just who you would think uh you know white rural uh people saying this i've seen even black folks say oh yes yeah, these immigrants it, it's so funny how mm. even black folk fall into this anti-immigration stance when they're good and ready so we've uh, moved from the, I, from the so-called dirty nigger comment to the dirty foreigner comment oh there you go yeah and and <laughs> I, i am i'm seeing it it's like oh see this is another reason why we shouldn't let these um migrant workers in here they're controlling the, they might poison our food supply and all this crazy stuff and i'm like no it's 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 not that you know it's wow. not some guy who didn't wash his hands that's getting everybody sick necessarily but you see oh, that goes boy. back to that notion that media is not e- explaining why this has happened so people are filling in their own gaps right people are making exactly. their own theories and speculations about why this comes about A grade one people stabbed to death at a school toilet in northwest South Africa. The perpetrator is 17 years old. It is alleged that the suspect apparently slept in the toilet overnight without anyone knowing he was there. The deceased was one of the first to go to the toilet in the morning and the grade 11 pupil allegedly repeatedly stabbed him. The principal of the school managed to apprehend the alleged perpetrator and handed him over to the police. EWN reports that a grade 1 pupil stabbed to death at school after teen lovers tiff. It appears that the suspect knew the deceased and it is alleged that he was in a romantic relationship with the grade 1 learner's older sister who also attends the school with the perpetrator. It is believed that the couple may have had a fallout and the alleged perpetrator targeted the younger brother. However, the police will conduct a full investigation around the circumstances of this horrific murder according to the Northwest Education member of the Executive Council MEC Selo Lehare, who was expected to visit the school. As expected, the basic education minister Angie Mochaga sent her deepest condolences to the family of the people. The MSE promised to help with funeral arrangements and to provide other services around this matter. Most news channels um decided to take the factual side of reporting which is this is what happened and so forth. But what has been interesting has been the focus on the victim's age as part of the headlines. Most newspapers focused on the great one people 
as opposed to the perpetrator also being a boy of 17 years old. In fact, in most headlines, it was not even clear that the stabbing had taken place on school grounds and it sounded as though the perpetrator could have been anybody and anyone. In most recent developments of the story, Northwest Education MSC Silo Lehare has revealed that there's been reports of Satanism in the community where the grade one pupil was stabbed to death. He believes that it clearly is a coincidence that the grade one people walked in as one of the first people to go into the bathroom that morning. But this violence on school grounds is not an isolated incident. In fact, when I was in primary school, I remember vividly a young boy in high school in the same school being stabbed over a girl. The South African news outlet, South African, has taken a different um, route in reporting and has reported largely on the violence in schools in different areas. They state that schools in South Africa are becoming more violent and dangerous for both teachers and learners. In September this year, a maths teacher of 24 was stabbed to death allegedly by a 17-year-old pupil in a classroom also in Northwest. The Minister of Basic Education, Ng Mushaka, admits that the recent spate of stabbings and attacks at learning institutions across South Africa is cause for major concern due to the rising levels of school-based violence which has called for an urgent meeting with law enforcement departments but this narrative is largely missing from all the other mainstream news outlets speaking to cape talk radio mochecha offered comments on the recent spate of attacks saying quote it is extremely concerning and very disheartening we have programs that we on an ongoing basis are dealing with the department of police and the department of social development it's quite clear we have a big problem there is a correlation between high levels of criminality in, in the community which is transported into schools. Guns come from community, the knifing and the anger comes from communities. We as a society need to sit down and say, what more do we need to do to support our schools? Close quote. Violence in schools is evidently a big problem, particularly in schools in the townships. What amazes me is the lack of journalism to bring this issue into the forefront and make it a national dialogue so that we can actually implement solutions to really curb the high rates of violence in schools among students and towards teachers and teachers to students. Busi, how widespread was the story and to what extent do you think it's publishing speaks to how important the story is to the media community. So the story was quite widely um, reported by different media houses. I think what's really lacking in terms of importance of the story is that it's not showing it in the bigger picture. It makes it seem like an isolated event of violence. I think what, what is lacking is that the media houses are not saying, look, this is actually a big issue. And, you know, there's one article in the South African that was talking about how there's been an, a surge of violence in schools, actually. So I think that's where the, it's, it's almost like taking away from the story. It's making it seem like, oh, that's a very random event when actually it's become such a normal event across schools, right? And particularly schools of particular class. You don't really hear about this happening at private schools. So... This treatment of it being an isolated incident, or at least that's how it's conveyed, 
by mainstream is due to what you speculate? I just feel like it's lazy journalism. <laughs> but also, never mind that. I do think that they don't want to cause panic. I think drawing attention to the widespread violence in schools would actually really shock South Africans. Um, I think a lot of people have a story about when someone was stabbed in their institution or school at some point. But it's like, you know, it's like before Me Too, right? We knew that, um, you know, sexual violence was very widespread, but we didn't really know. You know what I mean? And so this would actually trigger people to actually know the true magnitude. And I think there'd be a lot of pushback and a lot of anger and frustration across board. Isaac, do you think this is a reflection on what's happening in a broader society? And apart from maybe the odd quote here and there by a media outlet, the media in general is not really making this linkage or not really trying to make us discuss this aspect that you know there's a bigger societal issue at play here well the the violence here yeah. because like if even if you look for stories of, of, of the, that are like this of stabbings it's like always at the back it's, it's not something that's huge it's always just um quick public relations 101 where that the minister is just gonna send their deepest condolences to the family. We never actually get to know the cause of these gruesome acts, especially in places like schools. These are places where we send our kids and we, we hope and we think that they might be safe, but it's it's a common occurrence as she says, especially in, in schools where there there's like black people, predominantly a lot of black people, like township schools that these sort of events happen. Ricardo, both Isaac and Busi have intimated at the fact that private schools are populated by white folk, whereas public schools are populated by black folk. So I'm just wondering, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, whether is this why the media opts more for a sensational angle when they discuss or tell us about these stories because you know we don't ever or hardly ever hear of violence in private schools that's probably because there's hardly ever violence in private schools (laughs) but but seriously um I, it's true, but but here's the well, thing. Well, the narrative though. is more controlled, right? If yeah. it's in a private right. school, they don't have to call the MEC, right? If something happens at a public school, the MEC is automatically involved and has to say something. Whereas a private school, it can quickly be a hush hush, sent to the hospital, ex- exclude right. the child or expel them, and then you know move on. We move on, yeah. Here, here's the thing, though, to me. And this happens in American schools all the time. It's who does it happen to more than the fact that it happened at all. So I went to public schools growing up, right? We had metal detectors in my school, first of all. Um, Not to say that people still didn't get stabbed. Weapons found their way into school. but So they knew this was an issue because they put metal detectors in, right? And I went to a predominantly 
black and latino school now outside of new york city proper like in the nicer neighborhoods just a few years ago there was a stabbing at a school man alive you would have thought aliens had invaded like there was these protests we have to change the, the culture of the school and this that nothing like that happens when inner city schools incur violence you know what i mean it's just oh yeah it's expected to happen there so people just shrug and go well you know but when it happens in a good school a predominantly white school it's how can we change this and i always wonder as parents right do we as black people do we feel that our children are kind of resigned to be grown up in amongst this kind of violence do we speak as loudly and as consistently as white people do maybe we feel that we don't deserve that privilege unfortunately when we do you know like when it's not a privilege it's a right to be able to send your kid to a school and not worry about them being attacked like i'm just like what is it about the mental makeup of the situation that seems to make black people more resigned to sending their kids to places that aren't as safe as white people yeah i think i think it's the the perception as well yeah it's that perception that it's it's a public school and you know they know that it's not of the best quality i think Mm -hmm. from a south african perspective that's what i'd say what else do you expect when you send a child there yeah Mm. it's very classist out here if you're not going to a private school yeah no your your school you're probably not gonna make it if you're not like from a a, an old boys school like uh, Mm -hmm. king edward right or saint john's and yeah you don't have many prospects especially as but imagine if this happened at a white school what do you think the parents would be doing now i think we particularly in the south african context we have to remember where we're coming from right it's it is now that our parents get to complain right like that's not it's mm-hmm. like you know when you go to a shop in south africa and there's no service and there's always that white woman who's like i've been standing here for an hour you know and she knows mm-hmm. she knows her voice she knows she's got the right to do that she knows her position right and our parents are still coming to that you know like i find that even when i complain that people are taken back like whoa you know mm-hmm. this black girl is complaining what do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i do think that we almost have to remember that that our parents at least our parents particularly have grown up in a culture where they didn't have a voice right like in apartheid our parents didn't get to have that voice to say like i don't like this system per se and so right that culture right. there yes so it's almost like you know as older siblings that's kind of our place because we've grown up with a bit more mm-hmm. you know ability to do that but see we seem to be making the point at least you and the rest of the panel seem to be making the point that there is a bigger societal issue at play what are the issues that you feel media should have brought into the, the story I think the deeper issues of gender um, that need to be explored, uh, particularly because this violence tends to happen amongst boys, right? So I think there's a gendered element to that. In this particular story, there's a gendered element because to me, the the question is, why does this boy feel like he kills somebody's brother because the girl has rejected him or... For whatever reason between the two of them and you know i'll call this toxic masculinity you have to deal with um and toxic masculinity mm-hmm. yes toxic 
toxic toxic ownership of women thinking he owns the woman going back to this notion that um you know private schools are, are underreported but at the end of the day it's, it is private schools that have reputations to save right public schools don't have reputations in the same way we know st john's we know them by name we know cares even if you've never gone there we know these schools by name right they don't know a school in soweto in deep Kloof. You know, so township schools don't necessarily have the same persona in like just general mm. societal class. So are we speculating or you at least speculating toxic masculinity on the basis of an allegation that this girl broke up with this boy and as a result, he acted out? Unless if you leave the Satanism story better. <laughs> that's the only other story that is there i mean they're still investigating it right but i think that um like again i said right if this is the reason if the reason is that he broke up with this girl and he felt like he could do this that's very problematic in itself but also again like i said because this happens mostly proportionally more to boys in schools concerned about this gendered element right like this notion that violence is a way to deal with issues right like i remember the boy in my primary school he was stabbed for like a girl right like why is this the way to resolve something ricardo do you think there's a difference between an act of violence simply being that when it's committed by a person versus labeling it as toxic masculinity I don't think this was just an act of violence. I think this was domestic no, violence. No, I'm saying, do you I think, think that, there's a difference between the two? I didn't say it in this particular case. Do I think there's a difference between toxic masculinity and violence? Yes. <laughs> or a guy uh, just committing a violent act. Is that what you're uh, asking? Actually? Yeah, yeah. I think they can be different. The two can be mutually exclusive. For example, somebody goes to rob a bank. Somebody tries to stop them and they shoot the other person. I won't say that they necessarily shot them because of toxic masculinity. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so yeah, not every time a man commits an act of violence is it necessarily toxic masculinity at play. Should you agree that this is toxic masculinity in this particular instance? What has pushed it to that point where we say the violent act is now toxic masculinity in this particular story? I don't know these people obviously but i would say in most instances of domestic violence there is usually a link to toxic masculinity he, he did kill his ex-girlfriend's brother i mean you know that's very personal <laughs> yeah as what are your views i wouldn't want to like escalate it to toxic masculinity you know? I, I i don't know the the finer details I don't know if the media is being sensational about this breakup thing. You know, it could have been like a beef they had between each other. Did he kill the child because of just he wanted to kill a child? Or did he kill the child directly because of who he was related to? That means it's about the woman. It wasn't even about the child. The child was just there. Busi, would you claim that it's something else as we have seen in other cases where you have schoolgirls beat up on other schoolgirls when they accuse them of stealing their boyfriends and so on and so forth uh, isn't that just merely violence in itself as well is or is that some form of toxicity 
I was waiting for this comment. Right? I Are you asking me if toxic femininity? <laughs> Is this what you're asking me? No. I just said toxicity. <laughs> I didn't say femininity. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like... No, I this think was this... was a dot, dot, dot Right? Moment, dot, dot, dot. Toxic... <laughs> no, I think, I think in, in terms of just... Like, I think there's a societal issue at large in terms of how people think they can deal with such situations right it's about how normalized violence is right it's it's about why is it that people are okay with you know beating up pulling another girl's hair for a man and so forth right it's how people are conditioned to thinking that they own each other or have ownership over each other's bodies in a particular way and this sense that people can fix other people right be the disciplinaire if somebody's doing something wrong if i beat them up they'll they'll do better next time right like that's also just problematic in its own way as well there's no such thing as toxic femininity so let's not even go there okay so wait so it's it's no longer toxic masculinity would you say that it's it's a broader problem with violence it's a patriarchy problem Wait, but wait, but hold on a second. Wait, but I, I really, I, I, girls as well. Wait, no, but I, I'm genuinely curious. These statistics, these statistics can easily be be found, right? How many more instances of domestic violence where men are the perpetrator of violence over women, for example? Or if we look, or, hold on one second, Em. Well, I just want to go even further. So we're talking about kid, kids in school, school-age children, right? How many more instances do we have boys getting expelled for fighting than 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 girls? I mean, and even in these school in these school stabbings, it's most mostly boys versus girls. I'm not scrutinizing the account or the occurrence of this. I am questioning the labeling. What? What? We label things based on stats? A car crash uh, is a car yeah? crash, doesn't it? It's, <laughs> it's not because there were. Then how can we say that there is things like uh, systemic racism when we point to, for example, the rates of how black people are treated by cops to, uh, um, as, um, compared to white people? These are statistic-based things, right? Like we look and go, hey, how come black people are more likely to get shot than white people? And we call that a form of systemic racism. So, uh, well, of course we use statistics. So if you say a man is 10 times more likely to kill someone over a woman than a woman is to kill another woman over a man. And you look at that and go, no, that's just violence. That that's, that makes sense. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the woman beating up on men. That wasn't even my argument. My argument no, was that's woman not what beating I said. another, beating, that's what beating I said. another woman. Right. Yeah, that's what a woman, a woman be- yeah. What happens more? A man beating up another man because he feels that that man's you don't know. I, don't I mean, know. just anecdotally in your life, how what what have you seen more of? No, no, but the factors are different here as well, Ricardo. <laughs> we were focusing like on schools, like you know. But mm-hmm. schools are yeah. micro reflections of the macro, right? So this is this is actually what the problem here is that what's happening in schools is a reflection of people's lived experiences outside of school, right? It's not like somebody at school is teaching kids to stab each other. Right, they they are bringing whatever experiences they are bringing from home. We don't know, so obviously we don't have the information. I don't know what kind of household that boy comes from. Right, I don't know oh, if oh, okay. his parents beat on each other and therefore he thinks violence is this. I don't know that, right? But 
it's not isolated in that sense we can't isolate it just to the school environment because as we know it's influenced by what the kids lived experience is overall and the type of school they go to right of course but that's influenced as well by where they live which is part of the larger experience right and, and i think even economics plays less than this because there's plenty of instances where rich white men kill people over women they just usually get away with it more than black people poor black people do i mean so even when we talk about instances like this it's not class specific either you know we just agreed that violence it's reported more in black schools right right mm-hmm. so from that could be assumed that uh, uh violence mostly happens at black schools that's not what we're saying here the the question here the debate here is about the gendered element to it right it's about is this no but ricardo escalated to generalizations as well uh, how did i do based that on yeah. stats based no, on stats it, he said he said that it happens in white institutions as well so we actually no prior to that. that he was making an argument about stats and labeling because my my oh, yeah. the crux of my question was about whether okay we label a boy being violent or a man being violent as toxic masculinity whereas there's no label or distinguishing term for a woman beating up another woman it's simply violence that's where my my question was going had nothing to dispute about whether toxic masculinity exists or not but i think that was kind of a misleading question or um yeah. you said so this is the thing mm-hmm. right so when a, a white policeman shoots a black person we call it racism when a black person shoots a white policeman right we don't particularly have a word for that it's 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 like so now we must have alternative names for everything right so if a woman beats up a woman we must have a label for it but also a different label for when a man hits another man I mean, all I'm saying is these labels are because of patterns that we see in things, right? So if if we say that a black man are being shot by police at a higher rate than any other demographic, right? Black men. And we go, this is a problem. It's systemic, right? This is racism. We are labeling the act due to statistics. That was my point, and you said I can't I should do that. I s- if we going to identify the problem with our schools or with our society as violence i don't think these labels actually work for such situations okay we don't know what motivated this guy's uh, act exactly um we're not sure if it was because of the past relationship it could be he's just mentally disturbed or that the relationship caused him to break down mentally The thing is the word toxic masculinity right and all these other words these labels mm. is to identify that there's systems of power which might influence the way things happen right like I'm like I said like I'm basing this on what I've read so far right the case is still going to come I'm not saying that like do you know what I mean because the case is going to come and what if the guy is like yeah I was part of some satanist group and I had to to just kill somebody right. to to be you know inaugurated into this thing right? right like so this is based on the so, current so, so facts of the story that wouldn't be toxic masculinity but that's a different kind of violence right it's it's an it's a violence based on a religious belief right it's like it's it's a, it's the motivate the, the the fundamental thing is what is the motivation behind it and that's what i'm saying it's toxic masculinity if the motivation is that this girl dumped me and therefore i'm going to get back at her by killing her brother 
Do you see what Zera, I mean? Like, that's Zera clearly toxic. Exactly. You know what I mean? Zera that's what I'm saying. So, but that's what we're saying, guys. Like, that's what we've been saying all along. It's based on what no. we know about the story so far. It's speculation. Wait, but, uh, the thing that the thing that no. has my head is. But the thing that has me scratch my head is, why would you guys assume otherwise in this instance? Like, what have you seen about the story that gives you... Makes you that makes think... Because it just said, just just said Satanism. Why wouldn't you assume there's something else? No, but the Satanism it's came so later. It's assume the worst of, of wait, certain wait, wait. groups. Like, <laughs> you mean like white people? Yeah. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe. Come on, bro. Anyway, <laughs> listen... <laughs> I, I feel some hypocrit <laughs> some hypocriticalness going on here. So a little bit of hypocrisy. We do assume the worst of white folks, but maybe actually by the mere fact that we do have white friends, we should uh -huh. actually pause. And some of us do pause. Don't we? Sometimes. When it's convenient. I don't have white friends, you know, so I I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Thank you for joining us for this episode of TTBIA, The Thinking Behind It All. Remember that you can join the discussion on Facebook, The Thinking Behind It All, that's our page. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TTBIA underscore, at TTBIA underscore. For updates, visit the TTBIA community on WhatsApp. Please tell your family, your lovers about us your colleagues, your friends, and hopefully we will see you next week. Your silence is concession. Shop, shop, shop.